0: I really don't know clouds I really don't know clouds at all Hi, I'm Ryan and welcome to Joni Jams A podcast going album by album through Joni Mitchell's entire discography Today I'll be reviewing Joni's 2000 album Both Sides Now Ooh, What a What a title <laughs> Oh my gosh, we are finally here. The new millennium at the time. I guess it's still, is it still the, yeah, new millennium, I guess still, still applies to today. But yes, we are here at the 2000s, the final, the final breakthrough of albums. We have two more after this, but we start off the 2000s with the, I would say, Joni's last critically acclaimed, I don't know, Shine was kind of a hit or miss with critics album, which is, self-titled both sides now like her song from the album clouds back in 1969 i think it was um and you'll see why later in the album but yes we are finally here this is such a um interesting album to talk about because it is such a departure i would say from anything you've ever heard joni do before like this is joni trying something completely new i feel like i say that every week but uh <laughs> like she's always she's a musical experimenter i guess but this album especially because the addition of strings and things like that, which I'll get into in a second. Um, this basically, as a whole, this album is like a collection of covers of old standards with an addition of two songs that she chose from her past discography, which are A Case of You and Both Sides Now. And um, it's just such a different shift to go because she had said she was retiring after Taming the Tiger. She was like, fuck the music business. I'm I'm out. And uh, I think for the most part, people probably believed that. And I think she was pretty adamant on that, too. And she spent time with her daughter and she was living life, yada, yada, yada. And then something kind of sparked a new change. And she was like, I'm going to make a string album. And what was that spark, Ryan? You're probably asking me. And I have an answer for you, (laughs) luckily. So Joni said, and I am getting this from the Rosie O'Donnell Show interview that she had. So... So I've seen other reasons why people say that she did this album but take this from the Rosie O'Donnell show from Joni's Words. So she said this album was sparked from a benefit concert that she was asked to do for relief in California where she and uh, some other women, or she calls them divas, like Mother Bjork or Stevie Nicks or Natalie Cole, um, I think Cheryl Crow was there as well, were asked to sing these old torch songs uh, to raise money. And uh, they all got on stage and they were all wearing these like you know glamorous gowns, singing these old torch songs. A torch song is basically like They're older songs, like, with, like, an orchestra, and they kind of sit on one emotion. You know, they're either really sad or really happy, and they usually have to do with love. Um, I think probably one of the most iconic Torch songs, Stormy Weather, which is on this album, is the one that Joni ended up doing for the concert. She also did a duet with Bjork at the concert. Um, If anyone knows... If anyone has the like recording of it, please send it because they have I have the recording of her doing stormy weather at this concert. But I have not been able to find the duet with Bjork, which is so upsetting because like I love them both so much. And I know Bjork was such a she was so influenced by Joni, especially with like Don Juan's Reckless Daughter and Hajira. She said that those two albums like changed her changed her musical musical life. But uh, yeah, I'd love to hear that. And uh, I I guess from that concert, she became so in love with singing with an orchestra again that she was like, or for the first time, I I should say, that she decided she wanted to do an album singing these older songs because she had just enjoyed the experience so much. And I think she talks about everyone doing that concert. They were like, wow, this is so fun to sing with an orchestra. Like, Joni had never done that before. I think the only time she cites really orchestral work is when she did Paprika Plains. Like, I think that's the only really orchestra work that she considers she was a part of. I mean, but there are other things on her music where you could say there are some strings. Like, I think that there's strings in, um, down to you has some strings and, uh, shades of Scarlet conquering, I think has some strings if I'm correct. I didn't write it down, but I'm pretty sure shades of Scarlet conquering has those as well. But paprika Plains obviously was her biggest experience with it, but we've never heard her sing with an orchestra because on paprika Plains she's not singing with it. She's just, you know, there's like the mid break with it. So this was her first time kind of doing that. And Joni is a musical explorer. So of course I think she wanted to try something new out and she loved the experience of the concert so much that that's kind of what sparked the genesis of this album. So what I should say about albums with, like, singing old Torch songs, yada, yada, is there's this kind of thing that happens to a lot of singers, specifically, like, female singers, is they get to, like, a certain point in their career and they always just end up doing, like, a old Torch song album. Like, it just happens all the time. Carly Simon's done it, Linda Ronstadt did it. Like, many artists have done cover albums of standards, but they usually do them in just kind of a random, like, pick the ones that they like, throw them on an album, get an orchestra with them, and, you know, release it, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I mean, not to, like, discredit those artists, obviously. Like, I'm sure... I haven't listened to Carly Simon's uh, album with some Torch songs. I have saw the track list of them, and they just kind of seem like a amalgamation of random Torch songs and standards. But Joni wanted to do something a little bit differently. She wanted to make a concept, a story out of it, which of course she did because Joni just can't, (laughs) just can't do anything normal. And so she decided to make it kind of have a, a through line and like a, a kind of a thing going on throughout it with the songs that were chosen. Cause she handpicked all the songs and if they didn't match, her lyrical ability or her musical ability that she does for her own song, she wouldn't include it. So um, the album's co-producer, by the way, was Larry Klein. And Larry Klein, her ex-husband, by the way, Uh, If you haven't listened to the past, I don't know, like 10 episodes, Larry Klein's here. And he describes this album as a pragmatic suite documenting a relationship from initial flirtation through optimistic consummation, metamorphosizing into disillusionment, ironic despair, and finally resolving in the philosophical overview of acceptance and the probability of the cycle repeating itself again. By the way, that is some like academia bullshit. (laughs) That is the most, like, pretentious way to describe this album. I will—how about I'll rephrase that in some more layman's terms, because that's, like—that is so pretentious. No offense, Larry, but, like, yeah. Okay, basically what he's saying is that this album is about—it's about a relationship happening, the initial flirtation— the falling in love, things like that. Then the falling out of love, what comes with falling out of love. And then at the end, the realization that you're going to try to find love again once the relationship you've been in is over. That's the more basic way to describe it, the easier way. I don't know why I had to put it in so many words. Um, So, yeah, there's, like, a story going on. And I will kind of explain the story throughout when we go through each song. That's kind of one of the big things to talk about. I do have to say, like, just prefix to this episode I don't have too much to say about every single one of the songs because obviously they're not written by Joni so I'm not going to be analyzing a lot of the lyrics the way I could with the Joni song and also some of them don't have a ton going on you'll find that I have a very interesting relationship with the album because I actually never really listened to it until I had to do this, <laughs> until I had to listen to it for this thing. So I had no not much experience with a lot of these songs. Like, I had never heard them more than once or twice. So I have kind of new relationships with a lot of them, so I wouldn't say I have too deep of understandings with a ton of them, but uh, I'll try my best to flesh them out as best I can. So uh, the making of the album consisted of, uh, in the summer of 1999, so, you know, a little bit before this album was released, Joni and uh, Larry and uh, the American arranger and conductor Vince Mendoza, who was kind of also behind this album, flew to London to record the album at George Martin's Air Studios in Hampstead with a 90-piece orchestra. And uh, its orchestra was basically with the London Symphony Orchestra. And then Joni also got to have Wayne Shorter join her. Herbie Hancock joined her. I think she had another one of her main kind of guys join her as well. Like she tried to get some of her, you know, her usual guys on here as well. And they are great additions. I have to say, Herbie, you kind of don't hear as much, but Wayne really takes a a starring role. Oh, um, Brian Blade's also on here, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Brian, Brian Blade has a a good portion. Well, I know he's Yeah, he's on a few songs. So, uh, yeah, she got to have some of her own mixed with the London Symphony Orchestra. And I have to say, the London Symphony Orchestra, they do an absolute bang-up job with the music on here. I like old music. I love, like, and I'm going to talk about some old singers probably on this episode. Just because I really like some of those vintage, you know, ways that the strings sound on some of these songs. They're just absolutely beautiful and I'll... I'll talk about that as I go along. But, um, so the album was released with a limited run of copies in February 8th, 2000 in a chocolate box packaging for Valentine's day. Uh, cause this is, you know, a love albums. So they released it as a Valentine's day release. And there was a jewel case edition released in March 20th, 2000. Um, it was like a modest commercial success, a modest, uh, but it did pretty well. It actually hit number 66, I think on the billboard. If I have that correctly, I should have said that earlier, but, uh, so it got pretty high up there for you know an al- artist this late in her career, but impressive. Uh, but critics really seem to like this album. They seem to really enjoy Joni going into new a new place. I think that her voice, because it sounded so different, they liked it on here versus her voice kind of on her albums like Taming the Tiger, where I feel like they were like, oh, her smoking ruined her voice. Where now they're like, ooh, her smoking really adds a a quality to these older songs, which like. By the way, pick how you feel about her voice. Like if you don't like it, don't. Yeah. Anyways, so it was a critically pretty well received and it also won her two Grammys. Yes, she won a Grammy for Best Pop Vocal Album and Best Instrumental Arrangement. So she started racking up those those golden trophies around this exact time. I think now she has 11 Grammys. Okay, that is so that is probably not true. I thought she had 11. Maybe not. I know she won. She's nominated, by the way, for the most recent Grammys for her uh, Newport Folk album, which I will not be reviewing. But, uh, you know, I hope she wins. <laughs> There's some shade there. Uh, and Joni did a lot of promo for this album. She seems to be on her promo phase during the like late 90s, early 2000s, because I saw her on Letterman, on Rosie O'Donnell. Uh, there's another show she did. She was doing a decent amount of press for this album to get it some, you know, some track. And there was also a tour where she would perform this album in its full order that she did as well. So really her retirement air quotes did not, uh, <laughs> did not go the way I think she had planned. Um, I should talk about the artwork of this album, which by the way, you're gonna all hate me. Cause I feel like I say this every week, but This is one of my favorite Joni covers of all time. I think this cover is so fucking amazing. It is probably my favorite Joni painting. Uh, It's a Joni self-portrait, which was based on a photo of her in her 20s that was found by Brian Blade when he visited her house. So Joni only had two weeks to make the cover for this album because they had to get it out by Valentine's Day. And she was like, what the fuck am I going to paint the cover? But Brian Blade found this picture of her uh, from her 20s smoking, which by the way, if you have the photo that this is based on, please send it to me. I thought it was based on the photo of her in the Refuge of the Roads tour, but apparently it's not. So I don't know. And in her sleeve, there's a little heart and she was like, okay, there's a heart on my sleeve in this photo. I'm going to make this my painting now. And so she painted herself from that photo in her 20s of her in her 50s. So you know, there's kind of a cross age thing going on. And it's just a, such a beautiful fucking painting. She's like smoking a cigarette and has a glass of wine in front of her. Uh, I think it's based like supposed to be like for the song of the case of you, like, you know, on the back of a cartoon coaster, like kind of like in a bar kind of feeling. And it's just so romantic. And so I just love this cover so much. It's so, so good. Like it clearly shows both sides now. Like she's older, she's wiser, she's more mature And I love the style that she paints it. Like there's kind of like an impressionism thing going on, but there's also a very realistic quality. Um, I know she said she had to like age up her face a little bit from the 20s photo, which by the way, Joni, like at this time period still looked like amazing. I don't know what her aging needed to be, but anyways, uh, I just, I love this cover so much. And then on the back uh, of the album, which I don't have the album physically, I don't have the CD, but it's, I don't think it's on vinyl either, but uh. The back cover is, like, her from, like, a position of her, like, from shot from, like, the back. So it's, like, her smoking from, like, a silhouette kind of pose, I guess, if that's how you would describe it. And that's also beautiful. I just, I love this artwork so much. Like, she really didn't need to slay this hard for it, but but she did. Like, she looks like an old Torch Song singer almost, like, with the way that this photo is. Like, you can just imagine, like, it's, like, giving, like, so, like, Judy Garland, like, backstage at a concert like smoking a cigarette and like looking into the mirror like there's literally a photo of Judy Garland that like looks just like this with like her red lip like and she except I think it's like she's crying in it if anyone knows that Judy Garland photo I'm like a huge Judy Garland stan I don't know if anyone knows the photo I'm talking about but anyways yeah so I love the album cover art and I I think that's all I have to say about the actual album beforehand so now I think we can start the songs of this album which uh, like I said There's going to be, like, some storytelling, so you just have to, like, you have to bear with me for the story. Like, I'm going to be describing some metaphorical relationship that Joni has, and if it's not tracking for you, that's okay, because it doesn't really track for me either. But (laughs) I'm trying to go with the way Joni said this album is, so, you know, we'll just go with that. So, she opens the album, and by the way, I'm going to include who wrote the actual song as well. I think that's important to credit the songwriters, because, you know... And I'll also include some people who also have covered it. So the first song of the album starts with "You're My Thrill," written by Sidney Clark. So the album opens on like a very tense and like almost like cinematic feeling because it's like duh, like the strings are very tense. So like duh. and it's like <laughs> do you like my way? I'm trying to like make strings with my my mouth and like. Bruh. Um, But it opens with like a very intense feeling. And then all of a sudden it like blooms into like a beautiful melody. And Joni says it's like you're like smitten suddenly. Like, oh, you're my thrill. Like this is the beginning stage of relationship. You're falling in love. Like you're finding someone to be your thrill. And I will say this. When you hear Joni start to sing on top of this orchestra, it's kind of startling because you're like, oh my god, who is this woman singing suddenly? Because it sounds so different than any other Joni album. Like, maybe the style you could equate to Mingus, but even this type of jazz music is so different than the Mingus music, which is a lot more, like, conceptual, conceptual jazz in a way. Like, this is very standard Torch song jazz. And to hear Joni sing it is so... It's It sounds really good, in my opinion. I really like it. And this song is, like... Such a Joni said like it's like a warm embrace to start the album like it's a great like happy way to start and I totally agree like the relationship of these two people is starting the orchestra's in this beautiful bloom I like this song a lot like I think it's I think it's like really beautiful and pretty and I definitely hear Joni cites one of her biggest influences Billie Holiday. And I have to say that this album, I'll note it in a few other songs, but you can totally see the Billie Holiday influence on the way she sings a lot of these songs, especially, like, I think this one for sure. Like, she has a very similar style. But, like, also I would say Joni tries to do these, like, soft and tender notes on this album, which work for me sometimes, and then other times I'm like, I don't know, girl, if you can sing as soft as you are trying. (laughs) Like, I'm like, I don't know. But... Overall, I like this song a lot. I think that it's a great way to open. It's a happy way to open. And there's like an ending. Like, it's like, you're my thrill. And like the the chords kind of just like resolve out into this very happy note. It's like, Duh. and you're like, oh, I'm so happy. The relationship is in such a good place. And then you'll see it's like. Even better on the next song. But overall, as an op-er, op-er? Uh, opener, this is like a very cinematic and ex- exciting and kind of, I don't know, romantic way to start this love album. And I really like it. I like the way Joni sings it. And uh, yeah, I think that's all I have to say about You're My Thrill. Like I said, I won't have too much to say about all these songs, so we might be speeding through this episode. This might be a faster one. I don't know. Um, okay, so... The next song, which the happiness is just continuing, getting even better. We have the famous song, At Last, written by Matt Gordon and Harry Warren. And this song, you probably, if you don't know anything about like jazz songs or old songs or torch songs, whatever you want to call them. uh, You probably know this song because it's famous by Etta James. And I guess some people would be like, oh, well, Beyonce as well. But Beyonce only sang it because she was covering Etta James. But anyways... Yeah, I love, I've known this version with Etta James, the version with Etta James, like, for so long. Etta James is absolutely incredible. Such an amazing singer. You have to get into her work sometime if you kind of, if you, ha- like, like the version of Atlas she does, I recommend. I mean, you probably know her other songs. I'm trying to think, like, you probably know, like, Something's Got a Hold on Me or I'd Rather Go go Blind, Rather Be Blind. Um, I think I like I'd Rather Be Blind a lot more than Something's Got a Hold on Me, but... Either way, she's an amazing singer, so it's kind of hard for me to hear Joni sing such a classic song that someone else is saying. But I think she makes it her own in a way. Like, it's some big shoes to fill. I don't know if Joni's voice is, like, amazingly suited for this type of song, but I think it still sounds very beautiful. Um, as it goes with like the story of this album, obviously, so like you're my thrill, you're falling in love and then suddenly, at last you're finally in love. Like at last, I finally found love. Like at last, my love has come along, my lonely days are over, and life is like a song. You know, all these amazing things are happening. Everything is so light and easy. The strings are playing so romantically. And they just, like, encapture the happiness of finally being in a secure relationship and in love. And you just feel all those great things. And I think that this song really captures that as as far as, like, the story goes. Uh, There's, like, some parts that I wish she could belt it out a little bit more. But I don't know if her voice is really capable of belting the way that I want her to. Like, she could never belt the way Etta James belts because she just has a completely different voice. So it's I shouldn't be holding her to that standard. But, like, in my head when I hear, like, the... Because you are mine at last. Like, I want her to, like, belt it. But she's like, you are mine at last. And it's like, oh, I want you to sing a little bit harder. Like, I don't know. It just, like, makes it kind of drag for me a little bit. But I think my love of Etta's version kind of affects my listening. So I won't be too harsh. I do... I do like the way the song ends. I think it has a beautiful ending. But overall, I mean, if you were like, which version of At Last would you rather listen to? This one or the Etta James version? I would obviously say the Etta James version. But, you know, Joni makes it her own in her own way. And it works well with the story that she's trying to tell with this couple. Because, like, you know, it's starting to get even more loving. Like, you're finally in that in super intense love phase, which by the way, this is like the happiest it's going to get on this album. So, <laughs> so take, take it in while you can. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I'm not going to trash it. It's, it's a good, it's a good version of at last. It's just not, not my ideal. If I was going to listen to this song, I would probably choose the end James version, but I've already said that. So we can move on. Yes. So the next song is a song that Joni has actually sung before she did this album. Uh, with her band, not with an orchestra, and that song is Comes Love by Lou Brown, San, Sam H. Step, and Charles Tobias. And Joni, the version she does with her band, which by the way you can see if you watch her at a, her 98 Woodstock performance or uh painting with words and music, that like kind of live special she did, she does this song. It's very different version, a lot more kind of jazzy and rhythmic this one is a lot more you know obviously there's the orchestra and there's all these kind of more symphonic qualities to it but I like it a lot uh here on this song if we're gonna talk about in terms of the story I would say so they finally they at last they've fallen in love but now with love comes all of these different things you know comes love nothing can be done there's all these different things that Come, come along. and if you listen to the lyrics of this song, they're very clever and like somewhat humorous. like there's just like very, I don't know, there's very interesting lyrics, like some quirky, quirky lines that are like kind of flirtious, flirty mischievous you know, show love is changing a little bit. This song is definitely where you start to feel that this relationship that's being talked about is kind of shifting suddenly into something a little bit different, but it's still in love. It's just, you know different. I like the way Joni sings this song a lot. I think that she adds some, some interesting qualities to the way she like does the line readings of the songs. And I like the music of it a lot. I don't know. I, this song for me is kind of hit or miss. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't, but it's, it's, it's good. It's not bad. I prefer the version from like before the orchestra. But the, dr- the drumming here really helps it, I think. I think when she has drums on some of these songs, it makes them a lot more enjoyable for me. I love percussion, personally. So, like, a lot of the ones that don't have any percussion, I find them a little bit harder to get through, if that makes sense. So, luckily, that kind of helps this one a lot, but we'll get to other ones where I'm like, oh my god, Joni, please <laughs> add something to kind of make this have a little bit more things going on, but, uh, yeah, comes love is just, it's kind of a long song, but it's good. I recommend reading the lyrics of it cause they're, they're kind of interesting, but, uh, yeah. So comes love, the relationship is kind of turning a little bit and then we go to the next song where the relationship has definitely fucking turned. <laughs> and, uh, this is a song that I really, really like, and it is entitled you've changed and by, Bill Carey and Carl Fisher. I just realized that the songwriter's names, Bill Carey, Carl Fisher, Carey and Fisher, Carrie Fisher, anyone else? I miss her. Anyways, uh, I thought I need to get a Carrie Fisher shout out in there. This is the first real song on the album where love is going from happiness into something shifting. Like you've changed. And this song, by the way, I'd never heard the song before until, you know, I heard this album It is, like, fucking depressing as hell. You've changed, that sparkle in your eye is gone. Like, that is so sad. And there's, like, an overall, like, melancholy to this song that is just, like... It's so depressing, but there's also, like... There's... I will say the words, like, romantic. And what I mean by romantic is I mean, like, the quality of the strings, not the actual feeling that's being played. Like, there's a romance in the string quality, but it's really depressing. Like... And the way Joni sings the song, it's stylized, and I definitely see like the hints of Billy in this one as well. But it's really like she kind of belts it out. Here is one where she does belt out like the lyrics like you've changed. Like she she really gets at them, like, what the fuck is going on? Why are you changing? Like you're not the angel I once knew. No need to tell me. I know we're through. Ugh. Oh my gosh. That line is like That line is so sad. Like when you see a partner has shifted and you don't even need to have them actually say it, like you can just tell that something is, something is different and you're like, shit, like I can tell that you've changed without you even having to tell me, like, I just know something is, something is different. Like you've forgotten the words. I love you. It's, it's so heartbreaking. And like the strings just like sweep across the song beautifully. And Wayne's like additions as well. He adds, like, a great kind of colorful addition to the music, which I really love. And, um, yeah, like, the conceptual relationship that's being talked about is going askew very fast with this one. Like, You've Changed really shows a a marker point where things start falling out of line. And Joni, the way she sings it really kind of carries this emotion strongly. And she does this, like, thing on this song where she slides, like, in and out of her, like, head voice into, like, belting. Like, she does these, like, vocal dips. I don't know how to describe them, but if you listen, like, you'll get what I mean. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this song is so depressing. I like, I'm going to have to find another version. I'd love to hear how another artist sings this song. Like I would love to hear, Hmm. I would love to hear like a, a Judy Garland version of this song. I feel like she would really, she could really make this her own. Like give her like a, a, uh, God, who is her? Sorry. I cut out for a second. Who is her <laughs> band? Like instructor? Is it like Harold Arlen or something? I think that's his name. Whoever he is, we need him to do a version of You've Changed back in the 1950s with Judy Garland. Anyways, uh, yeah, I love this. I love this song a lot. This is definitely one of the highlights for me on this album, and it goes into kind of the destruction of the relationship. So with the destruction of the relationship comes the next song, which is a song I absolutely fucking love. Love this song so much, and it is entitled... Answer Me My Love, and it is by, I'm going to get this pronunciation wrong, so just whatever, Fred Rock Gerard Winkler, and then was translated, because they wrote it in German, was translated into English by Carl Sigmund. So, yeah, hopefully I got all those those names and stuff right. This is a song that is very, very emotional, and, like, if you think, like, You've Changed is, like, kind of the more angry, like, You've changed, like, all this, like, you're pissed off that that your partner is suddenly becoming unresponsive. This is the one where, like, you're not pissed off anymore. Now you're just really emotional and upset about it. And you're just asking for an answer. Like, you're just, like, the way Joni starts it, she's just, like, answer me, oh, my love. Like, oh, what's in a vibe I've been guilty of? Like, she sounds so, like, heartbroken and sad. And it's just, like, you feel so... You feel so, like, connected to, like, this pain because you're just like, shit, like, why can't... Like, just give her an answer. Just give her something. And this song has actually been covered by a lot of different people. Bob Dylan has covered this song. Nat King Cole, icon, who... I Oh, my God. I've been listening to a lot of Nat King Cole recently because it's, like, Christmas time, and obviously he's, like, known for his Christmas songs. He's just, like, so good. Bing Crosby is saying this song, like... It's definitely a very popular one, um, which I guess is why it was translated from German into English. I don't know. Um, and one thing I'll say about these like older songs is that like older songs tend to rest. Here's why I think that some of them drag for me is because older songs tend to rest on one emotion and not go a lot of other places. That's why kind of their Torch songs. Torch songs tend to be like either they're all about being in love or all about being sad. They don't go through a lot of different places, which is... Very different than the way Joni does songs, where, like, they go five million different places at once. You know what I'm saying? So, but on this one, that sticking to one emotion, I think, works for me a lot. Like, this depression of, like, all you want is your love to answer you. Like, I think it works really well, and it's it's just so... I love this song so much, and Joni sings it in such a soft and tentative way, and... There's almost like this insecurity, like, because you're not being heard from, like, that, that she has and the way she sings this song. I would also add that Joni wanted to have her vocal abilities be shown off on this album. She felt like she was not ever thought of as a vocalist, like, her whole career. And I think that this is an album where she really wanted her vocals to stand out. And while I don't know if Joni is, like, hmm, I don't know if she's, like, who you would imagine singing Torch songs, like having the best voice for Torch songs. I think she makes them her own in a way where you can appreciate her jazz styling and her vocal ability for what it is. You know what I mean? Like, don't expect her to sing like Billie Holiday. Like, she's not Billie Holiday, but she is Joni Mitchell, and that's, you know, that's just as good, just a different kind of sound, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I, I like this song a lot, Answer Me My Love. I think it's... It's heartbreaking. It's beautiful. The relationship is in a really bad place. And, uh, yeah, it's a good a good segue into the first Joni, Joni uh, redo. Joni redoing her own songs on this album, which is A Case of You from Blue. And uh, Joni kind of revives this version. So it's interesting that she chose A Case of You out of all of her songs. Like, why A Case of You? But I think that this is one that Joni really loves that she didn't feel was getting a lot of praise. Because, really, Blue... I know like today we think of Blue as like the most iconic like Joni album and it like really defined her career. But I think that that album has taken a long time to really reach the pinnacle that it has reached. You know what I mean? Like Blue is not the way we the way we view it today. is not how it was viewed, I think, in 2000. So picking a case of you is probably a very deliberate choice. And uh, it's also interesting that it's the halfway point. She chooses to make the halfway point and then the ending song, songs of her own. And so we'll see in the next album, Travelog, she just does all her own songs, which I love Travelog so much. I'm so excited to talk about that. But uh, here, I really love this version of A Case of You. Like, obviously, the relationship of this album, like, things are going really bad. Like, there's no answer. The love has changed, all these things. And so you're at this kind of crossing point, which is what I think a case of you really is. It's about this, like, crossing point of a relationship where you want the love to work out, but there's just all these emotions going on. And it's just in a very weird place. And, like, it's – I don't know. I love – Like The first time hearing this, it's so weird because if you have never listened to like Travelog and you listen to her her music in order, hearing this for the first time is crazy because you're like hearing her sing a song from her like blue days where her voice is so high in this like more mature and this orchestral version. And it's like so interesting. And I, I really, really like the orchestra on this song. I think it's beautiful. And like the way she sings some of the lines like or like the jazz phrasing she does where she's like. I could drink a case of you, darling. Like, she does these really interesting, like, little vocal riffs on top of things, which I like a lot. And once again, like, parts of the song that I love on the version of Blue also hit for me on here as well. Like, like I love in the parts of Blue when she's like, Oh, Canada. And on here she does, like, a really, like, longing, that longing for Canada as well. Like, the, oh, Canada. Like, it's very interesting. Or the second verse, of course, like, the I'm a lonely painter, I live in a box of paints. That verse only, like, hits harder hearing her sing it as she's older. Like, a lot of these lyrics, like, hearing it from an older woman's perspective is so much different. And I'll talk about that on both sides now, too. Like, older Joni singing these lyrics is a way different, like, connotation and meaning than from what uh, younger Joni singing this song does. I think I like the original version of this better, but... This one is still really well done. Like, I really like this song a lot. I would say that, like, if you listen to both sides now, the true highlights are a case of you in both sides now. Like, hearing her do her own work again. Like, yeah, the Torch songs are good, but the true highlights are her redoing her own work because she really makes them makes them into something so completely different and interesting that are very, are very well done. Um, I think Wayne's brass on here also, like, near the end, really really shines it sounds really really pretty and it's like also the end is like gloomy and like dark like the relationship isn't just such a, a fucked up messed up place that like it like ends in such a dark no i don't know i love i love this version of a case of you so much i know rosie o'donnell had said she would like this version too so i guess twin flames uh so yeah i don't know this was an interesting choice out of all of her discography, I don't really know what other songs she could have picked. I'm sure she could have found something, but yeah, A Case of You. Very, a very cool halfway marker point on this album that I really enjoy. So yeah, I think that's all I have to say about Case of You. So we are through the first half where we had love, now love is going away. And now we go into the second half of the album where love is. Also kind of in a weird place again. So we have Don't Go to Strangers by Red Evans, Arthur Kent, and David Mann. And so this song opens with like, I don't even know how to describe it, like a harp. And there's this like, it's like kind of like how like You're My Thrill is also. Like there's these like cinematic qualities to the way it opens where it's like a harp and the music is like, it's like some old romantic movie. And this sees like, this song sees like the partner and this like conceptual relationship trying to like find the like find the relationship back on a good path. And she's saying like, don't go to strangers. Like, please, lover, come home to me. Like, don't like like I know that we're in a bad place, but please like don't walk out on me now and go to someone else. Like we can fix this, please. I want to try to fix this. And uh, I don't know. I really like I like this song a lot. I like some of the lyrics. I've been around. I'm an old hand. That lyric is funny. I don't know in my opinion and I really love the parts on this album when the orchestra kind of like sweeps in like and the orchestra really sweeps in like the third half of the song which is really really pretty and uh uh yeah there's not too much else I can say about this song uh this is one of the ones we're about to get to some of the ones on this one on this album where like the songs really blend This is one of them for me. Like, don't go to strangers. I don't have, like, too much to say besides it's, like, you know, don't go to strangers. That's kind of the main sentiment throughout the whole thing. And, uh, Joni sings it pretty well. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have too much, too much to say. I promise I'm not, like, rushing through the episode. I just don't know if I have too much stuff to do about things. So, we can move on. I'm sorry. Sorry, don't go to strangers. I didn't have too much to say. To the next song, which is a song I really like called Sometimes I'm Happy. With uh, written by Irving Caesar, Clifford Gray, and Vincent Humans. Vincent Humans, I think is how it's pronounced. So this is a song where finally, ugh, after such a sad little little midsection, we finally get back to something a little bit more exciting, flirty, fun. Uh, this song reminds me of like Bjork's post album for some reason. I can't explain it, but it has like a post Bjork quality that. I just, I see, don't come for me, Bjork fans. I know you guys are crazy, but uh, (laughs) I, no offense, but I just feel like this song has a similar vibe for some reason. Like, I don't know. Anyways, this song is about like the ups and downs of love. Like sometimes I'm happy, sometimes I'm not. Like love kind of, you know, I think that this is seeing the relationship. She's like trying to get it on a better track and like, you know, I'm happy when I'm with you. Like let's like try to like work things out. Uh, and it seems to be progressing to a better place and, like, things are getting, like, better periodically, I guess. Also, there's a piano section in this, which I really love. I think Herbie probably was the one to do it, but it's, like, a very a very fun piano little little section that I like a lot. And this song is definitely more of, like, a jazz style to it that's, like, exciting, refreshing. Like, Brian Blade's drumming on it adds so much more stuff, like... And I, I will say that Billie Holiday and Sarah Vaughn covered this song, so I think Joni probably takes a lot of her vocal her vocal cues on this one from them, but, and you can kind of tell with the way she sings it. And I just, I like this song a lot. Like it has like a very fun, fun, bright quality that a lot of the other songs in this album don't because they're very like sad. So this is definitely a highlight for me. Uh, The end when she's like, I'm happy when I'm with you. Reminds me so much of a dry cleaner from Des Moines where she's like, that cat's got luck. Da 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 da. Like I'm happy when I'm with you. I don't know. They, they remind me of each other, okay? Don't come for me. I like <laughs> I like them both. Um, but yeah, I think this is a good highlight. For some reason, like this is one a song where like I'm like, oh, maybe they're gonna get back together, but then you get to the next one, and you're like, oh shit, I guess things didn't really work out the way you thought they were going to. So <laughs> that leads us into the next song, which is Don't Worry About Me by Rube Blanc- Rue and Ted Kohler. Sorry guys, sorry Ted and Rube, but you know. Anyways. This song is suddenly, like, the relationship, I guess, is over at this point. I guess something happened and the relationship's over again, which, you know, like most relationships, that tends to happen. Like, you're like, oh, we're going to get back together and then things fall apart again. Uh, Especially breaks. Can we talk about breaks for a second? Those never work. Breaks just don't work. I'm sorry. Like, I have never met one couple where, like, they've gone on a break and suddenly they're like... Yeah, now we're back together and everything's perfectly fine. Like, I feel like breaks are just, like, an excuse to prolong breaking up. Do you know what I mean? Anyways, (laughs) the silence is deafening. So this is kind of another one of those somber and slow tracks that I kind of try to drudge through a little bit, um, where the relationship is kind of, like, over again. And Joni's saying, like, you can kind of give your love to whomever. Like, don't worry about me. I'll be okay. Like, it's fine. You can leave me. And it's like, uh, okay, yeah, like I'm sad, but uh, but it's okay. You can go to someone else. And like, I don't know, junie's voice on this one, there's not really a lot of dynamicness going on. And the only really saving grace, I guess, is like the saxophone riff at the end. But besides that, this song just really doesn't, uh, doesn't stand out to me, not to be a hater. I just don't have too much to say about it because I just don't. How about that? Okay, <laughs> I'll move on. So the song after that, now, Joni, love you, girl, but this, you really had no chance of me liking this one. I mean, I like it, but not in the way that I like another version of it. So the song is Stormy Weather by Harold Arlen and Ted Koehler. Ted again. Sorry, man. Uh, So this is a song that Joni did at the concert. This is like the one she did at that concert that inspired this album. So this is one that she clearly loves a lot, but... I knew this song because of Lena Horne. So if you don't know Lena Horne, she is fucking brilliant. She was like an MGM, like actress for a while. Uh, She kind of got typecasted because she was black and just, you know, just like all these like really like short and kind of bad roles where all she would do is sing and then they'd like throw her off the screen, but she slowly built a career in jazz. And one of her signature songs was stormy weather. And by the time she got to her later, like later in life, I would say like around like in like the 1980s and nineties, she perfected this fucking song to where she did the most gut wrenching version. There's an album, there's a live album that she has, uh, where basically like she does like a whole like live, redoing of her career I'm trying to think of like a reference where you could like where like if you don't know Lena Horne I guess if you've seen The Wiz she's in The Wiz she's plays uh I, is it Glinda in The Wiz do they call it Glinda um where like she sings If You Believe which by the way that that song is so fucking good but uh on the album that she has called Lena Horne the lady and her music live on Broadway which is from 1981. She sings Stormy Weather. And you have to listen to Stormy Weather Part 2 because there's two versions of it that she does. And Part 2 is, like, gut-fucking-wrenching. And her vocals are insane. Like, guys, I'm not even joking. Like, her vocals on that one are absolutely fucking brilliant. Also, Judy Garland has an amazing version of this song. If you want to listen to Judy at Carnegie Hall, she is a great version. Like, this song has just been covered by people that I love so, so much, like, in their voices so much that... Joni singing this song, like, she kind of had no chance, no offense, but she still does it in a good way. I think that she just focused more on, like, the jazz singing quality of it rather than the emotion, which is what I miss. Like, I feel like she could have, like, sold some, like, emotion. Like, the way Lena Horne sells the emotion on this song, I wish Joni kind of leaned into a little bit more. Like, the orchestra, of course, in the song is, like, lush and sorrowful and, like, beautiful and... This song works perfectly for like the final where her her of this like conceptual relationship where like once it's over you have that last realization that you're now alone and it's painful stormy weather constantly and like Joni like clearly is trying to belt in some of the words like like where she's like everything I had is gone <laughs> sorry that like if you're a headphone user I literally probably just like destroyed your ears but she if you listen to the version on the album you'll hear what I mean like when she sings the word had she really uh. Gives it her all, I guess. And, I, yeah, I don't know. I just... I can't listen to this version and compare it to, like, a Lena Horne version because the Lena Horne version is just, like... It's almost, like, untouchable to me. Kind of like the Edda James, that last version. But still, this is a good cover. It's just... It's it's not my favorite, okay? So, I, I mean, I recommend it. This is a good one on the album, but, you know, Lena Horne is just... Always going to be Supreme Mother on this one. So the second to last song after this is I Wish I Were In Love Again by Lawrence Hartz and Richard Rodgers, who I'm sure you all probably know something by Richard Rodgers if you just, you know, look up his name. Uh, A lot of famous stuff. And this is kind of like that post-breakup song where, like, the relationship is over now, but now that it's over, you're kind of like, you know what? I kind of miss being in love. I think I want to like get in another relationship, and this one is very like it's another. It's like a lighter. It's kind of like uh, earlier. Oh my God, I'm blanking on what the song was called. <laughs> I just talked about it. Ugh, sometimes I'm happy. It's kind of like sometimes I'm happy where it's like there's like a upbeat quality to it, a little bit more. There's a lot, a little bit more like kind of excitement going on. Like and the lyrics are very fun. Like the fine mismatching of a him and her like and I love the piano herbie probably playing as well like the piano is beautiful um very fun I just I really like the song it's very clever. The lyrics are very like clever and quirky which very much are like kind of like the way Joni writes her own lyrics. so I like this one a lot. It's a very like fun almost way to end the album and uh I get that feeling of like when you're done with a relationship and you're like, you know what maybe I will try to find love again because I don't want to be alone forever to quote Lady Gaga from Art Pop. Um, so, yeah, this is a fun one. This is a this is one I would definitely recommend as well. Um, but I wouldn't recommend it as much as I would recommend the closing track of this album, which I have a good amount to say on. And that is the s- title track of this album, the true piece de resistance of Both Sides Now, which is the song Both Sides Now. Ooh. So... Obviously, if you know Joni's career, you know that Both Sides Now was really her biggest hit, not by her, but by, you know, other people who covered it, like Judy Collins and stuff. And it was on the album Clouds from 1969. Joni wrote this when she was in her early 20s, all this stuff. And they were like, "You're t- how, what do you know about life? You're in your 20s. And so Joni kind of reclaimed that now in her 50s and redid the song. And I have to be honest, you guys, like this version of the song is supreme to any version I've ever heard of both sides. Now it is so fucking good hearing her do it in her older voice in this like sensitive, but also like resilient way where you're like, shit, she has been through life, but she like, she has made it. You have made it. You've been through this, like the, like this album basically is like, you've been through this relationship and now you've seen both sides and you're able to move on. You know what I mean? And it's just such Oh, it is so good. And people love this version. This version is very popular. Um, Most people probably know it because of um, Love Actually, if you've seen that movie, where um, Emma Thompson's character, she, like, thinks her husband's having an affair and how can I describe it as fast as possible? And, like, she she sees her husband get, like, a diamond necklace and she's like, oh, I'm going to get that on Christmas. Like, he's going to give it to me. But then, like, on Christmas, she gets Joni's... 2000 album both sides now and her and she's like she realizes that her husband got the necklace for like his mistress and he's having an affair and so she goes upstairs to turn on this song and listen to it and she's just like starts bawling her eyes out realizing that like her marriage is basically over and it is just like so emotional and like so that's kind of another reason I think people know this one as well it's just this version is so amazing and Joni has said like this song is not an ingenue song. It's not for a young woman or a young man just sing. Like, this is for someone who has lived life and seen it from both sides. And, like, oh, my God, the orchestra in this song is so good. And Joni said that the orchestra, while they, like, were recording this one specifically, like, they finished it and they had, like, tears in their eyes. And I can fucking see why because it just is amazing. And the way Joni, like, like, some of these lyrics just hit so much harder, like, I really don't know love at all. Something's lost and something's gained from living every day. Like, these these words are just so powerful to hear her sing in an older voice. And, and Wayne, oh my god, Wayne's addition to this song is, like, chef's kiss so good. Wayne, like, Shorter, you, like, you killed it on this one. And it's just... I just love this song so much. Especially, like, the final orchestral break that they have before, like, the closing. It's just... It's so good. And I think that this song is definitely like the true definition of this album's like meaning purpose. Cause it goes through love. It goes through life and like kind of the wisdom that you get from p- past experiences and heartbreak and problems, all these things. And, and it ends on a very like haunting and fading kind of quality. That's very, that's like sad, but there's also like a, a strength to it. I can't describe it. Like, I don't know. I really love the way it ends, and this is just such a beautiful, beautiful song. Like, I highly recommend if you're gonna like tell someone to listen to a version of both sides now that's never heard the song before. Please give them this, or you can actually. I really like the version of both sides now that she does now, like in her. uh, Now she's eighty. Happy birthday, Joni! Like now, like that she did at uh, Newport, because it it like it's even more you know, powerful, like the older she gets, the more powerful it gets because it means even more, I guess is kind of what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say. So, uh, yeah, highly recommended. And, uh, yeah, that is the album, both sides. Now we've made it both sides. Now I can't believe we are at, we've made it to this point in her career. It's absolutely crazy. Cause next week we have travelogue and then, and then shine. And then we, we done, I might, I might do some some other little things, but I think for the most part, yeah. I, I just, ugh, I feel like I've gone both sides now from this podcast. <laughs> I've seen both sides now. Um, so I will give the rating now, the ratings of the album. I, now, you know, don't hate me, you guys, but I'm going to give this album a 7 out of 10. Um, I know that seems harsh, but if you had to listen to the songs, don't worry about me. And like don't go to strangers, like you would you would understand why, because they're just kind of slow. But anyways, no no hate. But the song's Both Sides Now in a case of you really save this one. Uh my favorite song on this album, of course, is Both Sides Now. But if I were to pick like my non not a non-Joni written track, my favorite would be uh um Answer Me My Love for sure. Those two I really, really love. Uh my least favorite is 100% don't worry about me. I just I really don't like that song. I don't know. I, I'm a hater, I guess, of it. But whatever. No, I, I, I stand by my decision. So, I know this was a little bit shorter than we usually go for an episode. But, you know, there's not as much to talk about. I'll have a lot to say for Travelog next week. But, uh, yeah, that is both sides now. Highly recommend. It works well for the Christmas season, I think. Or, like, the Valentine's Day season that's coming up in the next few months. So, you know, get it ready for the playlist, I guess, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, thank you all so, so much for listening to this, for, to this episode. I was going to say to this album. I really appreciate it. And, uh, I'm very excited to talk about travelogue next week. Yeah. So thank you so much and I will see you all then. Bye.